Merry Christmas, everyone. This is Gary Morton, welcoming you to Let's Talk to Lucy, starring Lucille Ball. And Merry Christmas to you, Lucy. Merry Christmas, Gary. Oh, that's a beautiful fire you built. And it's a beautiful Christmas for me, sitting here with my family. Lucy, doll, you are getting so tall, I can't call you little Lucy anymore. Merry Christmas, darling. Merry Christmas, Mom. And Desi, Merry Christmas, son. Merry Christmas, Mom. And my mother, affectionately called Dee Dee by her eight grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. Merry Christmas, Dee Dee. Merry Christmas, darling. You know, sitting here in front of the fire, gazing at those flames, I can't help thinking how much I really miss a white Christmas. Though I must say, <laughs> it backfired last year when we went to New Hampshire. The worst storm to hit the East in years. Remember, Gary? Remember? I'm trying to forget. Oh, come on now. It wasn't that bad. Well, uh, if you call making 21 fires in one day... <laughs> 27! See, they remember. <laughs> I forgot the six fires I made while you kids were sleeping. Yeah, we had to keep that little chalet warm. Yeah, you're right, Lucy. I do a lot of talking about the snow, and sometimes I complain, but I, I don't really mind Well, it. I'm glad to hear that. Well, it's just that we have different memories of the snow. When I was a kid living in New York City, that meant two or three hours shoveling snow on the sidewalks of New York. I know, and it wasn't always white snow, I know. No, I always had the feeling in New York City that the snow fell, it was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't mean that all snow is like that. You know, since we've been married, honey, we've seen some beautiful places together. You bet we have, like Sun Valley, Idaho. And Lake Tahoe, places where the snow was really beautiful. So I can understand why some people really love it. I sure love it. Me too. Sure, it's an adventure. After all, you children and a lot of others like you who were born in Southern California didn't really know what a white Christmas was. I think it's so wonderful to visit other parts of the country and see the different seasons. Though I must say, right at the moment, I couldn't be happier than sitting right here at home. That tree is so beautiful this year. You say that every year, Mother. Yeah, Mom. Yeah, I guess I do. But I have always loved Christmas trees. I can remember the magic it held for me as a child. Remember, Dee Dee, when we kids used to string garlands of cranberries and popcorn and make all those ornaments for the tree? <laughs> of course, my brother Fred and baby sister Cleo used to eat more than they made. I guess everybody has some favorite Christmas decoration or ornament that they keep from year to year. I have that little sleigh with the reindeer and the tiny Santa Claus, and I just love it. But you know, Dee Dee, the thing I am most sentimental about are the stockings that you knit for little Desi and little Lucy on their very first Christmas. Well, I knit one for each grandchild and great-grandchild over the past 21 years. I know you have. For 21 years, you have been doing the things that really make Christmas memorable. What about the presents? Desi, that's all you think about, the presents. So what's wrong about wondering what's in the packages? <laughs> not a thing, Desi, and your mother was the same when she was a little girl. <laughs> oh, I was not. Is that true, Dee Dee? <laughs> Was Lucy always a package shaker? Because she sure is now. No I know. She hasn't changed a bit. There wasn't a package she didn't shake, squeeze, or pull. <laughs> By the time Christmas came around, they looked like they'd gone through the post office twice. <laughs> you know, Dee Dee, sometimes I think that Lucy gets a bigger kick out of trying to guess what's in the package than she does when she opens them. Lucy, what's your batting average this year? Well, it's pretty good. I guessed about 50% this year. 
Mom, you know what Desi gave baby Mark. All right, Lucy. Now, wait a minute. First, we should explain, Lucy, that baby Mark is your Aunt Cleo's baby. What did you give him, Desi? Go on, Desi, tell her. A catcher's mitt. A catcher's mitt? And Mark is only one year old. So what? All boys want a mitt, don't they, Gary? They sure do, Desi. I gave him a putter. Uh, a <laughs> putter? Oh, you men. That's the last time I let you two go out shopping together. <laughs> Oh, Mom, I just can't wait for dinner. I'm starved, and those smells from the kitchen are killing me. Well, dear, you won't have to wait too long now. You know, I think that's the thing I miss most when we do go away for Christmas, Dee Dee. Your cooking, your dressing for the turkey, and your pumpkin pie, and, oh, yeah, that persimmon cake. My mother makes the most delicious persimmon and walnut cake was that something Grandma Hunt used to make, Mom? No, it was something Aunt Helen and I started making years ago, but I can't for the life of me remember where the recipe came from. Well, I have never tasted anything like it. It's just delicious. And I'm too hungry to talk about food anymore. You know, I love the aftermath of Christmas, when the hectic shopping and the gift wrapping and the card sending is all behind us. Then comes the time to enjoy it all, to relax and talk about it, just like we're doing today to reflect on the true meaning of Christmas and to reminisce a little bit about my own childhood Christmases. You know, being raised in a small village outside of Jamestown, New York, everything about our Christmases and our life, for that matter, was wonderfully simple compared to the complex world we live in now. Even the toys were simple. We couldn't have dreamed of all the kinds of toys available today and that today's children take for granted because after all, they're living in an age of space and automation. Oh, sure, we could buy dolls and buggies and doll houses in, but there was no great selection and money wasn't too plentiful either. But I was very fortunate. I came from a family that could do anything with their hands. My mother could sew beautifully and so could my grandmother. And I'll never forget my Christmas. There was an entire doll Christmas. I received a complete wardrobe for my favorite doll. Dresses, coats, hats, nightclothes, robes, petticoats, even little shoes. Every bit of it made by hand. And my grandfather, who was a woodturner by trade, built for me that Christmas a beautiful dollhouse and carved by hand every piece of furniture in that house. The little doll bed with its hand-carved headboard. And Grandma Hunt had made all the bedding, the sheets, the blankets, a real little patchwork quilt, and even a silken comforter. And the dollhouse also had a complete dining room set with chairs and table and a little sideboard. I cherished that dollhouse for years and the doll. Hey, how about you children? Do you have a favorite gift or a memory of a special Christmas in the past? I've never asked you that before. How about a Desi? Well, yeah, I had a favorite gift, my surfboard. And you've got 26 stitches to prove it. Oh, well. <laughs> That's why I said he was too young for it then. Lucy, how about you, dear? Well, I think the nicest Christmas I remember was when you surprised me by converting the garage into a little theater. Remember? I sure do, honey. That's very nice of you to remember. I'm so glad you enjoyed it, and you have certainly proved that you liked it because you've used it to advantage these last three years. We've seen some very entertaining little theater productions there, haven't we, Gary? We sure have, Lucy. And, Desi, you've enjoyed the little theater that we uh, put
put there for you. Uh, you've rehearsed your combo in there. Yeah, I have. I've enjoyed it a lot. Oh, dear. I have just noticed, Gary. Time is up today. It's time to say goodbye, I guess. Well, it has certainly been nice being with all of you on this Christmas Day, and I wish you all a very joyous holiday season. Lucy. What? Let's get in the Christmas spirit and sing a Christmas song. Well, I'm in a Christmas spirit, but I don't know if I can sing a Christmas song. Oh, I don't know either. if I can be on key. Oh, come on. <laughs> with the family here, let's do uh, Jingle Bells. Okay, oh, I'll give it a whirl. Okay, you ready? All right. All right, take it from me. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Hi, this is Lucy. Did you ever have those, what am I gonna do with all this stuff blues? You know, after Christmas every year, I wade through all the new toys and clothes and books and boxes of candy and jars of pickles and wonder where I'm going to find room for any more. Then, by the first or second week in January, I've gotten my strength and my senses back, and I start the house cleaning that helps relieve the situation. I take upon myself the job of weeding and sorting and moving and removing the excess. I have a pipeline to the Salvation Army and the Goodwill Industries and also many families that can use toys, books, and clothes of all kinds. So by the middle of January, I have sorted and boxed and sent things in all directions. It's just that I cannot stand excess or waste. I never throw anything away. I always try to get things humming on their way to someone else who can make good use of them. During the year, I save boxes for shipping and tissue for wrapping and addresses for mailing. And, too, I check on the growth of the children in the other family so that as my children grow out of things, someone else can get the use of them before it's too late. When my kids were younger, of course, I had difficulty getting them to part with anything, whether they really wanted it anymore or not. But as they have grown up, they now come to me and say, Here, Mom, give this to someone. I have outgrown it. And every few months during the year, they go through their books and toys and clothes themselves and put them aside for others to enjoy. In other words, I'm happy with those results. I have families up north that get the heavy winter things and the skates and the sleds and so forth, and families in sunnier climes that fall heir to the cottons and lighter things, the beach apparel, the outdoor togs and toys. And the Knights of the Road, with their big storage vans, have standing orders to some parts of the country for transporting furniture, rugs, lamps, and outside play equipment. Everything I can find a new home for makes a journey. Now, I know there are many people who would like to do the same thing, but never quite get around to doing the job because, well, because it has become too overwhelming. They've procrastinated for years. Their intentions are good but the flesh is weak. Now is a good time to start hoeing out at your place. 
nothing should be sitting unused when there are so many who can be putting things to such good use. Nothing should be thrown away, not when we have wonderful organizations like the Salvation Army, the Goodwill Industries, and any of the orphanages, or the YWCA, the YMCA, the Indian reservations, the poorer districts in any little town or large city. There's a place for everything, even old newspapers and magazines. And that wonderful feeling you have once the mission is accomplished is well worth the work. The appreciation you receive from the families you help is all the payment you will ever need. So get busy, Mom. Or should I say, get even busier. This you will find more rewarding than building more shelves and more closets to store more stuff. And as long as we're on the subject of spreading cheer, because that's what you're doing when you find ways and means to see that the things you don't really need are put to a useful purpose, here is a thought I'd like to share with you. And I was reminded of it by a quotation I read in a magazine the other day. It was written by the English author Joseph Addison, and here it is. Mirth is like a flash of lightning that breaks through the gloom of clouds and glitters for a moment. Cheerfulness keeps up a kind of daylight in the mind and fills it with a steady and perpetual serenity. And how true that is. Did you ever notice how grateful people are when you approach them cheerfully? I notice it in dealing with all the people I come in contact with during the day, like, oh, the grocer, the milkman, the gardener, the gasoline attendant, the mailman, my children's teachers, the officers of my company. Yes, even Gary and the children. It's amazing how far a cheery greeting will go. I know it's tough for a lot of people who have to face that steady work-a-day grind to satisfy everyone, but perhaps if we would approach them cheerfully, they would not only appreciate it, but it would probably brighten an otherwise dull day. Like almost anything else, being cheerful can become a habit, and I'll be the first to admit it takes a little thought and a little practice and a lot of patience. You ought to try it sometime. Devote one entire day to the cause of spreading cheer, then take stock at the end of the day. You will feel 100% better, and so will the other people you come in contact with. Now, since this is Friday, let's take a look at the mail. Today I have a very interesting letter from Mrs. Margaret Ike of Boulder, Colorado, who has a comment to make about one of my recent programs in which I asked B. Benedaret what she would do if she had a whole year off and could do anything she wished. B answered she would look for another job. Well, Mrs. Ike said she faced the same problem, and I think she handled it very well. Here's what she writes. Dear Lucy, I'm writing this to say that most working women really have a problem when they retire. I know. I was one for many years. It took me a year to adjust to relaxed living. It wasn't easy getting used to not doing something creative. I do believe that freedom from the mental push that a woman faces who has worked all her life is one that must be acquired and that its acquisition is an indication of creative retirement. You may ask, how can doing practically nothing be called creative? Well, first, that relaxed mental attitude reduces the tension between two people living together so that the chores are no longer chores that must be done at a specific time on a certain day, but things to do that keep you occupied for which you are grateful. Secondly, the relaxed acceptance of retirement opens your eyes to the beauties of nature. 
Like just the other day, while lying on the couch for a rest, I noticed the sun catching the shimmering golden leaves of the poplar tree outside my window. And believe me, the whole tree was a mass of flickering, brilliant gold flashes. It was a fascinating sight, as the gold baubles danced from leaf to leaf, here and there, all over that tree. I hadn't noticed anything like that in all my 65 years of living. Thirdly, and most important to me, is that the creativeness in me has a better chance of coming to the fore with my present attitude of being relaxed physically and mentally accepting retirement. I like to write to my friends, not because I owe them a letter, but because I enjoy having a leisurely chat with them, which was not the reason when I was working. Then I had to write a letter, and the sooner I did, the better, to get the obligation off my mind. Not to think of things and events that might interest them, but just to tell them how school was doing or how we were or perhaps mention a show we'd seen. How dull when compulsion is at the controls. So I no longer have a guilt complex about our way of life today, but it wasn't easy. At the beginning of retirement, my husband and I took lessons in bridge and attended an evening adult education course. I've even dreamed of getting my master's degree and going on for a doctorate, hoping my husband would do likewise. But I must consider what he wants to do in retirement. My husband wants to live from day to day at peace with me and not be pushed by me to live like eager beavers. And to be happy, I've decided to do just that. Relax and do what has to be done and then let the mind create or suggest something interesting to think about, read about, talk about, or do. All the retirement books tell you about things to do to keep you busy. Golly, we were busy all our lives. Retirement's the time for a little heaven on earth, I say. Well, Mrs. Ike, I think that was a very unusual and refreshing letter. I certainly hope that others in your circumstance managed to solve their retirement problems as nicely as you did. Well, that's about it for today. Thank you for listening. Have a happy weekend. Drive carefully. Bye for now. Hi, this is Lucy. Well, I guess I don't have to tell you that Christmas is about here. The songs, the carols, the snow, and all those round-faced children with their little noses pressed against a million store windows. But no Christmas is ever quite complete to me without hearing... I'm dreaming of a white Christmas that does it for me. I guess I don't have to tell you who my guest is today. Mr. White Christmas himself, Bing Crosby. Merry Christmas, Bing. And a Merry Christmas to you, Lucy. I suppose you've sung White Christmas so many times it doesn't do anything for you anymore. Oh, pauvre, not true at all. It does a lot for me, Lucy. It brings back so many memories, thousands of them, the places I've sung it, for whom I've sung it, and uh, when it was first sung, and uh, the many arrangements I've had, I remember singing it overseas for the servicemen and in hospitals and uh, all over the world. And I get so much mail on it, uh, still do, and although it was written many years ago, and although the record uh, isn't nearly as popular now as it was years back, uh, it does a lot for me. I bet you've sung it about 10,000 times. I suppose so. Uh, can you remember the first time you, you sang it? Uh, yes, it was on the uh, set uh, uh, over at Paramount when we made a picture called... Uh, Holiday Inn with Fred Astaire and Marjorie Reynolds. Who wrote it, Bing? Irving Berlin. 
Of course. And uh, he wrote words and music. Of course, the, there was a verse to it, and we had quite a struggle at the time uh, between Berlin and the producer of the show because the producer wanted to use the verse, and it was a very peculiar verse. It was long, uh, and it told a story about some fella being alone in Beverly Hills, and the sun was shining, and the palm trees were swaying, and uh, it I'm didn't glad seem, you didn't use it. And it didn't seem at all like White Christmas to him. And then he says, I'm dreaming of a White Christmas. And Berlin was right because I don't think anybody's ever heard the verse. Maybe if we'd used the verse, it might have killed the chorus. You never know. I miss yeah. a White Christmas so, so much I. out here. Yeah. So you're just like I am. Mm -hmm. I try to get back to the snow every Christmas that I can. Last Christmas, Gary and I took the kids to Vermont where we had a little cottage. I bet that was beautiful. Well, right? we were snowed in for three days. That and makes I, it fun. I loved every no minute phone, of nothing. it. nothing. They can't get you. But Gary didn't like it. Why not? No, no golf. Huh? I have to drag him back to the snow. He said he'd had enough snow and ice as a kid, and it was enough to last him for the rest of his life. He'd just as soon spend his Christmas in Palm Springs. So I'm glad that you're with me, Bing. Oh, I'm with you 100%. You know, I was raised up in Spokane, Washington. That's uh, on the eastern side of the Cascade Mountains. And the climate over there is not like Seattle, which is kind of balmy in the winter. Spokane has some real rugged winters. And we always yes. had sleds and skates and heavy snowfalls. And they have I some very high mountains up there, don't All they? around the town, big, very big mountains. Mount Spokane is right there. What about Kathy and your children? Do they like the snow? Well, the children, uh, these, uh, this new group, <laughs> <laughs> Harry, Mary Frances, and Nathaniel, have only seen it uh, up at the ranch. We have a little ranch up near northern uh, California border, up near Oregon, and they saw it up there a couple of times, and they were fascinated, and they, they want to go back. We had them up there Thanksgiving, and in the hope that it would snow again, but we just had a few little flakes and nothing. Uh, does it snow? Does it snow in Burlingame? No chance. No, that's uh, a little colder than Los Angeles, but not a great deal. Yeah. How about Nat Pat? How old is Nat? Nat Pat, Pat now? is a three-year. He just turned three, and he's a bear too. He's going to be something. <laughs> the funniest little kid that I've ever seen in my life. He's going to be a riot. Yeah. He's going to have to be a riot to do the. Back up that name, Nathaniel Patrick. <laughs> Nat Pat. Is that a handle? Yeah, well, why did you do that to him? <laughs> well, Nathaniel is, a, is my great grandfather, and he was a famous uh, clipper ship captain in the uh, New England sailing days. And so hmm. I thought I have one child named after an illustrious seaman like that. And of course, Patrick was uh, thrown in so he'd have a saint's name to christen him mm -hmm. with, so he'd wound up Nathaniel Patrick Crosby. That pleased his Irish nanny very much because her name's Bridget Brennan. Of course. Mm -hmm. I'm in a mood to hear some more Christmas music. What about something from your new album? It is made for reprise with Frank Sinatra and Fred Waring, is that right? Yes, it's a very good album and some wonderful arrangements by uh, Nelson Riddle and, of course, Frank's in fine form, and we got the beautiful Waring Choir. Well, let's give a listen. I'm with you. Snowflakes falling, church bells calling, it's Christmas time again. Fires lighted, kids excited, it's Christmas time again. Oh, thank you so very much, Bing. I'd like to wish you and Kathy and your children a very Merry Christmas and the best of all New Year's. Thank you very much, Lucy, and the very same right back at you and Gary and all the family, and I hope wherever you go this Christmas, where are you planning to go, do you know? I'm working on a snow country. And you're trying to get Gary to uh, go yes, along. I, go along, I, I'm Gary. not successful as yet. I think you could make a skier out of him. He's a big husky <laughs> guy. I'd love it. Have a good time wherever you are. Thank you, darling. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. 
I hope you've enjoyed our visit today with Mr. Bing Crosby. And may I take this opportunity to wish all of you the best holiday season ever. Bye. Are you loving Let's Talk to Lucy? Then you have a real treat in store for you. A new episode is being released every week on the SXM app and wherever you listen to podcasts.